Welcome to the Customer Success Podcast, the official voice of the customer success community. Who's excited? Who's fired up? On this episode, Allison sits down with Yamini Rangan, Chief Customer Officer at Dropbox, to discuss the power of language in customer relationships, how to tear down silos between your teams, and more. And we are back at the Customer Success Podcast. I'm here with Yamini Rangan, who's Chief Customer Officer at Dropbox. Welcome, Yamini. So good to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I am really excited to be back with you because actually we did a podcast previously that was super fun. And um, I just developed so much respect for you over the course of that conversation. So I'm excited to explore some of the themes that we just began to touch on um, that time. Yeah, absolutely. That was a fun podcast. I learned so much about your business model, but also the vision that you have for customer success as a profession. So thank you for bringing this conversation back again. Awesome. So glad you're here. So to start out, Yamini, so many folks in our audience would love to be chief customer officer one day. So would you mind walking them through how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, uh, I think it's it's fantastic that the profession of customer success and more importantly, the role of chief customer officer is becoming much more prevalent. And I do think it is because of kind of the economy that we are in, which is a subscription economy. But I got started in my journey about 23 years ago, started my journey as an engineer, and then after a few years, went into the business side of things, went to business school. And one of my first jobs was actually at SAP. And I had the opportunity and pleasure of actually working for uh, the current CEO of SAP, Bill McDermott, and I had the opportunity to go visit customers. So my role was in strategic sales, also called value management. And as part of the journey, it was Monday through Thursday in front of customers having conversations about the value of technology. And I saw some masterclass customer-oriented executives just, you know, do the right thing for the customers. And Bill was a huge mentor and an inspiration. And he'd go into the customer conversations, know everything about the customer, know everything about the pain points. Sometimes he would know the son and the daughter and what game that they played. And it was customer orientation, you know, at the next level. And so that was foundational experience for me to actually see how companies take customer first approach to you know, engaging customers, driving value. And that was early foundational experience. And that's kind of where I got started. So did that for a few years and then kind of translated that into strategy and operations. So after spending a lot of time in front of customers and really understanding buying patterns, why do customers make their buying pattern, buying decisions for a piece of software, piece of technology, and what kinds of things do they look at, then kind of translating that into strategy and operations. So the next phase of my journey and my career was uh, helping companies scale as they went through the process of adding more go-to-market resources. And so it was, again, foundational to have that customer-facing experience and then leveraging it for hyper-growth mode. So when I was at Workday, Uh, spent a lot of time thinking about how we would scale a go-to-market organization all the way from including, you know, how do we expand into countries, how do we expand into markets, how do we expand into segments, to how do we think about customer success in a SaaS world. And 
that actually brought me to my journey at Dropbox when I joined about four years ago. Dropbox was looking to expand from um, their core market into many more businesses and teams. And so initially started on that side. And now my role is all of the customer-oriented teams, including marketing, sales, customer experience, which we'll, I'm sure, talk a lot more about, and strategy and operations. So it's been a fantastic journey, but all underlined by you know, the foundation that I had and being in front of customers and really appreciating how they make decisions. You have such an amazing story, terrific background, but also it's notable that you've covered lots of different functions over the course of your career. Um, in particular, I think seeing in one person's career trajectory, both customer facing uh, roles as well as the strategy and and focus on scale. Um, I, I often see actually those two skills being among the most important ones for probably executives in general to have, but especially customer success leaders to have. Um, now, I also want to note it's uh, pretty notable that your title is chief customer officer, but you manage actually a fair bit more than many other chief customer officers do. Um, and we were talking a moment ago about actually how quite interesting that is. Would you mind talking about um, why you believe in the, the chief customer officer title and what scope you think it should cover? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it, again, comes down to the subscription economy, right? When we think about subscription economy and we think about the business models that this economy has spawned, it is all about customers. There is, you know, there is no way that you can actually run a subscription business at scale without putting customers first. So I think over the last 10 years, being in cloud, being in SaaS has really forced companies to think about customers. And how do you think about customers? Well, you think about customers from a product perspective of what you're delivering. You think about customers from the perspective of every interaction that you have with customers so that you can make their journey frictionless. So every interaction a customer has with a company becomes much more frictionless, whether it is with a product person or with a salesperson or with a support person that you end up talking or customer success you know, representative that you're talking with, it needs to be frictionless. So at Dropbox, we started thinking about what is the core customer first value that we deliver. And we came up with you know, our goal is to deepen the value that we deliver to customers by making every interaction with our customer frictionless. Now, if you think about that, you know, and we know, um, you know this, Alison, like every single time that you have a customer interaction or someone within your team, there is a friction point. There are tons of friction points. So we got to like think about the friction points across marketing, across sales, across customer experience, and you got to look at it holistically across multiple silos that you might end up having in the organization. And that's what generated you know, the thought process for us. And that's why I do think that for customer-first organizations, it is about driving a frictionless experience. And in order to deliver a frictionless experience, you got to bring a broad set of teams that are touching the customer on a day-to-day -day basis together and help them holistically solve the problems that we need to solve for our customers. So that's been our journey. Yeah, so much to unpack there as well. Yeah. You know, I think um, there's 
it, uh, just going back to your title for a moment, I don't want to harp on this too much, but I am seeing also the rise of a title called Chief Revenue Officer. Yeah. And it strikes me how, actually, that could be your title as well, because yeah. you own revenue for the company. Yeah. Did you guys ever think about using that title versus Chief Customer Officer? Oh, yeah. I mean, and everything in between, right? I mean, you could you could do, you know, you could put an X there and, you know, look at a whole bunch of combinations. But I was particularly passionate about having customer yeah. uh, orientation from the get-go because then when we have a conversation, you know, within, um, you know, our product organization or within our sales organization, I can always start with, guys, I care about the customer. Yes. No question. And revenue comes next, right? Yes. If we do the right things for the customer and we earn the right to grow with them, then revenue comes absolutely after that. So you could argue that you got to have customer, you know, first, even, yeah. even from the orientation of the title and even from the orientation of the team name, all of that needs to point to what the North Star is, which yeah. is driving a customer experience that uh, earns the right for us to go back to them again. Your title really does convey the strategy that yeah. you all have. And I think it also shows an external orientation, a human orientation, the, t the title chief revenue officer doesn't convey so much. CRO is a lot more inward facing, exactly. right, than um, customer oriented. Exactly. That's exactly right. I think more companies need to start thinking about what they're projecting with the title, with even things like customer journey. You know, how many times have you gone to organizations and you ask them to talk about the customer journey and they will say things like, um, I want to retain, I want to, you know, reduce churn, you know, I want to, you know, acquire customers. Well, customers don't care that you are, that they're being acquired. <laughs> Can you imagine me going to yeah. you and saying, um, I'd like to purchase Dropbox, can you acquire me? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but, you know, this is the funny thing about this, because you look at, like, customer journeys, it always says, acquisition, retention, you know, and yet customers, you know, are trying, they are buying, they're committing, they're using, you know, different products and that's their face, right? Yeah. So everything from the orientation of the company, the orientation of the name of the organization to the orientation of the customer journey has to be outward facing and it needs to focus on what really matters, which is the customer rather than yeah. inward, like this is our business process versus this is what we're delivering for customers. I love that focus on words and I think they really are more than merely semantics. They actually proclaim the values of a company. In the talk that I gave at Pulse, our annual conference yes. actually earlier this year, um, I was talking about a similar subject, but in a different context, more the language that we use in product management. Right. And I find similar issues as the, to the language that we use in the revenue world. For example, we talk about people as being users right. of our software, right. which is not a very kind term. And similarly, people don't think of themselves as users. We also use terms like uh, users need to be converted. Yeah. What are our conversion rates? Which frankly sounds a little bit like a religious term, right? Like that's typically, I think, the other context in which we use the term conversion is you're trying to move someone sometimes by force <laughs> to like your way of that's right of believing, right? Yep. Um, and uh, so anyway, I, I just think it we need to be so thoughtful about the words that we use to show Absolutely. what we actually care about, and if we actually care about the people that we're serving, perhaps we should use more human-oriented language. Absolutely. Customer-oriented language. Language that customers understand, right? And 
they don't understand conversion. Why would we even, you know, th- talk about that, right? Like that's a, so I, I'm so glad that you're bringing this up and you're actually talking about it at Pulse, which, you know, more people listen to it and the more people, you know, understand the power of language. I think yeah. language is one of the most, you know, scalable ways of getting the message across. And we got to make deliberate choices in the language that customers will understand and respond to well. Yeah. By the way, I'm, I'm just going to put in a plug for the people in our audience who are more philosophically oriented, because you could go really deep down this rabbit hole if you wanted to. There's a great essay by George Orwell um, called The Politics of the English Language, uh, which I would definitely recommend you read if you're interested more in um, how language actually communicates values. Um, so Yamini, I'd, I'd love to go back to the scope of, of your role. Um, do you believe that that in other SaaS organizations, there should be someone in your position who is overseeing a similar scope? In other words, do you think we have it wrong with like sales and customer success being separate executives reporting to, into a CEO? Yeah, you know, someone at the company should be focused, you know, primarily on the customer outcomes. Now, whether it comes at the chief customer officer level or it comes at the chief operating officer level, it doesn't matter to me, but you know what matters is that we bring together silos or organizational, you know, organizations that tend to end up being in silos together focused on the customer. I will tell you when you know I took on the role and I'd been at the company for at least like two and a half years and I did a whole listening tour. And a part of the listening tour was asking what is working, what is not working, what do you think is the purpose of your organization? Fairly typical questions, nothing, you know, complex or spicy about that. And what I found out was that when, you know, sales, every everyone in sales had somewhat of a similar answer, which is our purpose is to grow, which is great. You know, they want to grow. It's hyper growth everywhere. So it's grow. And so grow how? Grow considering what, you know, are you thinking about customers? Are you thinking about how many customers you've added in a given quarter? How many customers have you lost in a given quarter because of churn? And what is driving that? Well, not so much. We are growing. And then you go to the customer success organization and say, what's your purpose? And again, we can have a whole nother podcast about how customer success organizations are run. But in our case, it was driving adoption. And then it was secondarily helping with, you know, potentially upsell, cross-sell, and so on. And that was the purpose of the organization. And then you go to customer support and you ask them the same question. Well, our, you know, purpose is to improve NPS. These are all great in and of itself. But if you actually don't bring it all together Mm -hmm. and say, how do you increase NPS without actually delivering a great experience as a customer you know, success person. And how do you do that if you don't understand who you're selling to? And these tend to become much more disparate. And so I think it's not, um, it's, it's part of the journey where companies scale and become much more siloed and you got to bring them all together. And so my pitch, you know, certainly internally as well as externally is bring parts of the organization that are all customer facing together. One way or the other, bring them together, orient them on the customer, orient them towards, you know, what you're delivering to the customer and break down the silos. Because that's when, you know, the real value of having a frictionless journey for the customer can be delivered. Absolutely. You know, it strikes me how 
the difference between prospective customers and customers becomes a little bit fuzzy, particularly once you reach a certain stage as a company. Dropbox, big company. You guys have been around for a while. You've achieved significant scale. And so it comes a point where actually the installed base of revenue that you have is so much larger, likely, I think for any company, than the new bookings or new logo bookings you might be bringing in in any given quarter. So at that point, it also begs the question, what is sales exactly, right? If if you have a sales sales leader that's purely responsible for those new logo bookings, then they're not really a revenue leader, actually, because... You know, they're owning, they're, they don't own actually the customers where most of the revenue comes from and also where most of the expansion potential is. Yeah. Um, so how do you think about, you know, the, the difference in those two revenue sources and how to harmonize them? Absolutely. I mean, this is the critical question because, you know, most uh, companies now have somewhat of a freemium model, right? Which, which goes to your point, which is who is a customer, who is a prospect? Well, yeah. in the case of Dropbox, we have 600 million basic or freemium users. So 600 million of them are already customers. We care about them. We care about their experience. And so, you know, there, there are these two potentially distinct models from a sales perspective that you're, you know, highlighting. One is bottoms up growth. You know, you have a freemium model. There is virality in your product and there is bottoms up growth because there's adoption. Now, Atlassian is an example of this, that they've done an exceptionally good job of taking that virality as well as the developer-led, you know, kind of motion or an IT person-led motion and then, you know, going upwards into the enterprise and they've scaled beautifully. And then there is a completely, you know, B2B motion of going to the IT exec, the CIO, the CXO, and then being able to sell top down. I think these models are completely different yeah. and there's, you know, you got to be very careful about how you pass the baton, you know, between the bottoms up growth model as well as the tops down model. What we found at Dropbox in our journey is that most of our customers, nearly 80% of folks that use us personally, bring us into work. And so we already had mm-hmm. a majority of our users, our freemium users, bringing us into work and using us for collaborative use cases. And so it became much more important for us to then say, when would we actually talk to them in a business context? We would talk to them in a business context when we have identified that there is a team, they're already leveraging Dropbox, and there may be multiple teams within that organization, and that's when we deploy our sales team. And that's fundamentally different, because you know, in the traditional B2B model, you take a salesperson, you give them a territory, and you say, go talk to you know, these 100 people or 100 accounts within the territory. Yeah. In the bottoms-up model, where you have 600 million users that are bringing you into organizations... It's not go talk to these 600 users, but it is like identify the teams that are actually using your product already and then have a conversation about how you can add more value. And so the model has shifted. And for us, it has been passing that baton and passing, you know, using data and data science. And so we've leveraged data science to be able to look at propensity of our customers to, you know, get more value from Dropbox. And that's when we put a salesperson in front of them to have a conversation about expanding the value. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah I, lo- I love um, how the, the consumer side of your business actually is not so distinct from the business side, as right. I think I might have thought. Right. You know, how, do you, how do you literally go through the process of turning a 
um, you know, a, a person who on their own has purchased Dropbox for their own purposes into a business user. Yeah, I, I think that's... And, it, and you saw how I just used the word user there because it's I know. so ingrained in my business, language. Business client. Co- yeah. yeah, customer. You customer. know, business customer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, this is the interesting thing. So... We start with someone who is using us for a personal use case. It could be, you know, sharing files in, at, at their house, even taking pictures and putting it in there, right? Then the next step is, you know, they come to work and they need to share files across two different people and they begin to use us much more in terms of a collaboration, you know, um, story. And then what we do is we look at features that are highly valuable to a business user, you know, who brings us into a small team. That could be a smarter sync, you know, feature. It could be any of our features. And so we begin to look at what additional features would they get value from. And because we have in-product ability to send notifications, we might say, hey, have you actually shared this folder with, you know, folks within your team? So we may send notifications or prompts for them so that they can get exposed to higher value-added features. As they do that, we find that the engagement of the teams expand, and then they form a community of users that are actually using us for work. And so our job is, one, to understand where our customer is on their journey, and then, two, to be very specific in terms of how we target the right prompt, the right notification, or the right email, so we expose them to a higher value-added feature. And that is the journey that we take with our customers through marketing, through product notifications, through product prompts, so they get exposed to higher value-added features, and that that way they go through the journey. That's the most typical version. It sounds like you have a super thoughtful, specific journey that you bring your clients on. How did you get all of your teams on board with that standard view? Yeah, I mean, it's been a journey. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, as you know, there is the ideal, this is the beautiful flow on a, on a piece of PowerPoint that we can actually talk about. And then there's reality of how you experiment. A lot of it is A-B testing and experimenting, right? Like you got to start with, okay, here are a set of customers that are using a set of features. They, when they engage, so one of the examples that we had is we found that uh, our customers within a team if they connect with additional third-party applications, so they're using Dropbox, let's say they connect with Zoom, they connect with Slack, they connect you know, with Adobe, they connect with other third-party applications, then they engage a lot more, they retain a lot more, and sometimes they go on to higher value-added features. So that's something that we found through you know, analytics and data science. So then what do we do? We run A-B testing and experiments to say, hey, how do we expose more and more of our customers to connect one more application, another, more, another application? So we run that A-B testing, and it works. Then we are like, great, this is actually increasing the engagement of our users with our product, so let's expand the scope. So a lot of this is like experimentation and identifying where the value is and then continuing to expand. So it's not, you know, the process, there's always the beautiful sausage and then there's like the sausage making. And so the sausage making is not fun, but the output is always fun. Absolutely. Love that. Um, So you guys have been on this transformation, this journey of becoming even more customer centric and ensuring that you're breaking down the silos. Is there an anecdote that you would want to share as to how the reduction of those silos has created an even better client experience? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it goes to multiple you know, aspects of how you not just talk about customer experience, how you walk and how you actually make things happen. And for us, it is about bringing marketing, sales, and customer experience, customer education all together. That is the journey that we are on. And so the first thing with you know the talking the talk is actually having a common purpose. And so for us, we talked to all of these teams and we said, what is the common purpose that we all share? And it came down to amplifying the voice of the customer to drive differentiation and therefore enable growth. So we oriented all the teams on their primary job is to amplify the voice of the customer. So you may have a secondary purpose of growing sales and increasing NPS, but the primary purpose is amplification. Then the second part of the journey was actually how do you create listening posts, you know, ways in which you can listen to customers. And one of the anecdotes I'll have is that I spend, you know, time with our support teams. Actually, we'll visit our support team, we'll spend like eight hours, and the part of the eight hours is actually listening to you know, their conversations. So you're sitting there with support agents and they're having the conversation. You sit there and you listen to the conversations. And it is just eye-opening. I would say I'd encourage every customer-facing executive to make that part of their quarterly routine. So one of the times I was there, I uh, was listening to this conversation and a couple of things. One is, first of all, the agent is struggling to figure out what you know, our customer is seeing and they don't have the ability to screen share. And I'm sitting here going, why, why are we not screen sharing? And they don't have the ability to screen share. And so they're going back and tell me what's on your screen. How does that feel as a customer? Tell me what is on your screen. Can you click on this button towards the right? Oh, I don't see that button. Yeah, well, no, know. it's actually here. <laughs> Do you see that? And I'm like going, you know, at the end of the conversation, you know, 10 minutes, I'm frustrated, but I can't say anything. Then I talk to the agent. I'm like, what's happening? Why can't you just screen share? Well, we have a security policy that prevents us from sharing if the customer has not signed this type of an agreement with us. Uh. And I'm going, but do you realize that that call could be a two-minute call versus a 10-minute call if we had that? And they're like, yes, but we have this policy. So then, you know, immediately turn around, go back to our, our teams internally and figure out what the policy is and get the right, you know, kind of terms of conditions in front of the customer. And then we, we've solved that problem. So it's things like that. Yeah. You know, when you go and actually sit and listen and you do this everywhere, you go through a sales negotiation. How frustrating is that when you give contracts and red lines and how do you remove the friction out of the process? So the most important thing for a customer-facing executive is actually friending, spending time in front of customers and front of customer-facing employees within the company and removing these layers of friction. Because we don't know what it is, but there are policies someone must have done. But we now have the responsibility and accountability to go change that and make it frictionless. So I think that's, you know, those are examples. I love that. Breaking through red tape. Yes. <laughs> In the service of the customer. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Awesome. Um, Yamini, it was awesome to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. You've done as a company so much for the customer success profession and really getting the orientation of customer first into the industry. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for all the leadership there. Thanks for saying that. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you liked today's episode, make sure to leave a review on Apple, iTunes, or wherever you listen. 
Until next time, you've been listening to the Customer Success Podcast brought to you by Gainsight, the customer success company. Thank you.